0: Nina, it is a <laughs> pleasure to have you back on. This is a bit of a unique circumstance because this is a Bigger Than Me podcast mini series <laughs> focused on how to start a business and explaining that and breaking that down for people. And this all came about because I see a disconnect between the people who are willing to take the risks and the people who have access to the understanding and kind of the mechanisms that all go in behind that. So I'm hoping that you can give a brief introduction of your business background working with Van City, and then we can get into the questions.
1: Sure, for sure. So, so um i guess i don't know if i'm going to be ruining your um no. <laughs> linear path but cuz i don't really operate that way but um cuz it all is all mashed together right so my how i started with van city um I started working for them in 2006, so what was happening around that time was I was already attending UFME. I was currently working at Stream, which I think everyone in Chilliwax probably worked there or know someone who's worked there, so kind of right out of high school, I graduated in 2003. Um, It was my... That's what I was doing, working there and going to UFB. I was actually in business, or not in business. I was in sciences to begin, and um, someone did a presentation on Van City, and I was like, "What a cool organization to work for!" And like, "Hey, like it's kind of congruent with business." Um, well, and like, which was I was just like dabbling in it, and so I was like, "Maybe, maybe it's time for a change," and um, I'll apply. So I ended up starting out as a, a teller, like you know, the first people you see when you come in, do your deposits and stuff. And I did that for about three years and I worked my way up into an account manager role, which is um, you see less people during the day, but you're, you have more time with them. That's when you book an appointment and you like do open, open new accounts and help kind of with the topical stuff. Like um, I say topical, like, cause you're kind of like, you know, a little bit about everything, but you're not necessarily specialized in any one thing. So I wasn't licensed to do mutual funds, but I could um, speak to, you know, the differences between RSPs and tax-free savings and uh, I was giving out mortgages and loans and helping people consolidation loans and that actually like dovetailed into financial literacy, which became a big passion of mine and facilitating workshops and helping people with their credit and and that sort of thing. So, um, and then I was kind of doing that simultaneously with going to UFV and taking business courses so that it kind of worked together.
0: And then you ended up starting your own business.
1: Luna <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So kind of full circle, I guess, um, as an account manager, um, some of those new accounts were new business accounts and you'd help them with a little bit of an operating line of credit and that sort of thing. Um, again, with the, um, the financial literacy piece, there was the, what do they call it? Each one teach one. That was the, you know, learn about your credit, learn about bank accounts, all those things that people, you know, once they reach their kind of like mid twenties, they're like, why didn't they never teach us this in school? And like, we were teaching those things. And then they had a business, one was like a business lens, like an entrepreneurial lens. And that was for kind of like bridge the gap, right? The, what people don't necessarily know, like how to write a business plan, the things that you don't know, you don't know kind of thing about marketing and just how to collect numbers, how to research and how, how to start and how to grow kind of thing. So, and I like each one growing. So I like that. And, uh, yeah, I was just working with, um, small businesses, entrepreneurs at different stages of their, um, Kind of like business lives, and it's so inspiring. Uh, I thought, like, hey, maybe I should (laughs) give that a shot myself. You know, entrepreneurs, business owners, very passionate people, and I think it's a little contagious. So I was like, I'd been at Vansity for about ten years at that point, and we discussed on the other podcast kind of the um, reasons why I was looking for something different, um, some of my health issues, and found floating. And never did I actually even think, like, oh, I love floating. I'm going to open that as a business. It came more from a... I want to ch- something, I want to change, and I want to do something I'm super passionate about, like, I love banking, but 10 years, kind of just, like, I needed a change, it was time for something new, and a friend who I had floated with was like, what about floating, and I was like, what, that's, I don't know, like, that's so big, right, I felt kind of pigeonholed, like, I had um, gone to school for business, accounting, finance, I was working in a bank for 10 years, I was like, what can I do, like, maybe I can make money, do being a financial literacy, kind of, But it just didn't that didn't feel right. I love doing that kind of for free. Like I just love giving that that education piece. So yeah, it wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So floating was a good way of or opening Luna float was a good way of filling that need of helping people, but also um, like by bringing something beneficial to the community, but also be able to like use all of my energy to do something I like really believe in and really passionate about. Yeah,
0: <laughs> That is all fantastic to hear. I'm interested to know first, let's start off with your education background. Mm-hmm. How, what courses did you take in business at the University of the Fraser Valley? And is there any that you took something away from or you said this really helped long-term? Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any accounting classes or anything? Because I think that I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and some of them lose interest when it comes to school. So is there any courses that you can recommend? Because I think we get lost in the four year, we need to do a whole degree. Yeah. Is there a course or, or a program that somebody can take that they'd get something out of for business?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, asterisks, I've been out of it. I had to do the math, and I was like, I think I graduated like 10 years ago from UFB, so I'm old. And um, so, I, I mean, I know it's changed. It was growing when I was part of it. So, um, and actually, uh, kind of shout out to Mark Breedveld, who is, I, I can't, don't know his title off the top of my head, but I think he's like the department head of... School of Business at UFE and um, he had actually reached out and he was talking about um, another pro- or another program or course that they're potentially offering. and he reached out to me as a UFE alumni as well as the president of the Stella Business Association. and um, it sounded cool like and I think what it was was when I was going to um, UFE. So I started out in the sciences. My first course was, was – um, mar- first business course was marketing. Um, I thought it sounded interesting. It was kind of like dipping my toe into the business realm because I had been taking biology and um, math and all those sorts of fun things. And so this was quite different. And it was with Mark Breedveld. It was his first year at U of B, So it was a long time ago. Now he's the leader. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So it was kind of interesting. I uh, really liked the course. Um, it was really – it was interesting. We've talked about how I also like psychology and philosophy, and I feel like um, a lot of different kind of business elements kind of interwoven with those um, theories and practices and stuff like that. Um, So that was the first course. I really liked it. um, And I think, I can't remember what the second one was. I think like Business 100 or the Business 101 kind of thing. And that was a really good course to take a very general approach. So when I was at UFB, Um, for business, I was thinking more about a career, um, working for someone else. I wasn't going in with the mindset of like an entrepreneurial mindset. So that was kind of the lens I had. Um, So I would say that for the most part, it was about, I need to do this, these courses to learn about business and see what I like. I think that's the maybe one of the biggest benefits of going to university. Not Isn't necessarily the courses per se, but learning what you like and what you don't like, learning about yourself, uh, making connections. Those are kind of the, the abstract benefits of going. Um, but when you're going as someone who's seeking like employment afterwards, sometimes it feels a little monotonous, like you're just doing it for the piece of paper. Um, but uh, yeah, there's all the other stuff that you learn on your way. So I was aiming for accounting and I learned that I didn't really care for (laughs) all of it that much. Um, I actually took an entrepreneurial course, which um, I can't really remember too much about it. Um, I feel like there probably could have been some improvement upon it. Um, And I feel like there needs to be more of that because I feel like in the business world, again, 10 years ago, they didn't have as much offerings as they do now. So maybe they've improved upon it already. Um, But yeah, like sometimes it feels kind of more of like a trade. You're going to become an accountant. So you take these accounting courses and at the end, that's cool. Um, But when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, what do you do? Like you can take entrepreneurial courses, but are there other courses that would help like accounting so that you can kind of figure out your own numbers and bookkeeping and stuff? sure, like any information, any extra tools in your toolbox is going to be good, right?
0: Right. How did the marketing help? Um, Because I think that that's an area where people have a really good idea. Maybe they're good at implementation, but it's the getting the word out in an effective way. Um, Did you get anything out of the program at UFE, the class marketing?
1: I, so I loved marketing and advertising at UFE because it kind of, gave you jumping off points and um, it gave you the psychological background of why marketing and advertisements are implemented and how they react to, or how humans react to it. So I just like the kind of the theory behind it, and again, I wasn't an entrepreneur at that time, so I wasn't thinking for my own business, but in general I just found it very fascinating. Um, I'm sure in the past 10 years those courses have probably adapted and changed so much. Like if you just think about like 10 years ago. I don't believe Instagram was a thing, right? Like we were, um, and that sort of thing. So it's one of those things too, when you go to university um, or take any courses, really, that's not the end of it. That's not the end of your journey. You don't just go like, well, I know everything now. (laughs) Um, It's that ongoing kind of lifelong learning that I I truly believe in. And I think marketing is a good example of like things change, environments change. I mean, I like the core background, the core um, learnings behind that. I'm like, why... um, why you implement certain marketing strategies, that's probably going to stay relatively consistent, but how it looks in the real world is what's going to change. So that's something I would probably take another course um, and learn about because, you know, the world's changing and you have to adapt to that, right?
0: Absolutely. Do you think that that's something that entrepreneurs or business owners should consider is going back to school just for a course or two in things to get those refreshers? Do you think that that would be useful?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... um, to be hungry to learn and to know that you don't know everything. And you might never, <laughs> and just be open to learning new things is something you're going to have to be uh, do as an entrepreneur. Be open to that for sure.
0: Absolutely. Let's move into the Van City side of mm-hmm. things. Um, so, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got this business idea, at what point in time should you be reaching out to financial institutions for support? Uh, is it when you have a business plan, uh, and what relationship are you looking to build with the financial institution? I would say. Oh, just pull the mic up. if Sorry, I'm
1: leaning back. I'm all casual now. (laughs) Uh, I would say that there's no, you can't go too soon. Um, The reason I say that is because I think one big thing is like, as soon as you need help, ask for it. If you have any questions, Ask. Like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out when you have that first initial meeting. Um, if you find a good um, account manager or whatever like, their title would be at their financial institution um, to talk with, like make that connection. The other thing is, I think it's not necessarily you have to. Like I don't want to scare people, but um, I noticed a lot of the times. People will ignore their own personal finances, but just focus on, like, starting the business and that. And I feel like you need to have your own financial house in order as well, or at least it's helpful. So even if you don't have a business, make that connection, relationship at your financial institution and assess your own stuff, like your credit and um, how are things going on your end. And then that way you – I think it builds a stronger foundation and it really helps, like, if you increase your um, – yeah, your financial literacy and know how you're operating your own kind of business, your own self, your own household. Um, that's going to help strengthen when you move forward with the business.
0: I really like that because I think that a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners have a lot of stress because they're managing the marketing, they're managing um, mm-hmm. dealing with customers, bringing an inventory, whatever their business is. But then they also have home financial stress of their mortgage and their car payments or their insurance and whatever that is. So that trying to reduce that stress as soon as possible is important um, for them to be able to think clearly and manage their business properly. Um, so at what point, who would you speak to if you were going into a financial institution? Who would you be asking to speak to? And what would that conversation kind of look like?
1: Yeah, so um, <laughs> I've only worked for Man City. Um, so I know other F- FIs, financial institutions, have different titles and sort of that sort of stuff. But I would just go in and talk to whoever wants to talk to you and just say hey like this is where I'm at and who ask them who you should talk to. Um and then just know what you want what you want to achieve out of that conversation. Um I love credit unions and I feel like they have, if you even just explore on their website, usually they have different programs for entrepreneurs. Um, some have different courses you can take. Um, some provide different free downloads, like a business plan template, that sort of thing. So if you're more of a do it yourself person, um, you can potentially get those resources for free as well. Um, but if you'd rather just talk to someone and say, Hey, I'm like, I have this great idea and I don't know where to start. I'm sure they would be able to at least point you in the right direction.
0: Right. And then how does that conversation go if they're looking to get a loan or get financial support? How does that begin? Is it a long process? Is it a short process? What does that look like?
1: It totally depends. Um, And often people think, I have this business idea. Okay, well, you don't necessarily have a business yet, and that's totally fine. Um, But if you need financing, uh, often times with a financial institution like a credit union or a bank they're going to need two years financial statements they're going to need proof of income and if you're not even generating income if this is just merely a concept or an idea then you might get discouraged right off the bat but don't be discouraged because it's totally normal and fine to potentially need to finance some stuff personally at first typically you're signing um on these business loans in the future personally anyways. So like you're personally guaranteeing those loans anyways. So it's really not much different. I mean, you can still open a business account. And again, that account manager would advise you at that time, what would make the most sense? Do you have a business name? Is it registered? Do you want to do that first? Um, That sort of thing. But maybe you go in and you're looking for financing because you have an idea, but you need to do X, Y, and Z before you make the next step. Well, what does that look like? Can you use your personal credit card? Do you have a operating line of credit personally? Do you own your own home? Um, they'll kind of be able to help expand your horizon and see like, okay, not only here's where you are now, but this is where you want to be in the future, and then kind of like help you get there. So it's kind of looking farther into the future and and being um setting up For success now
0: okay so they can go look online for specifically van city and get some resources to get started Mm -hmm. then they have this meeting um where they get a little bit more direction on their personal finances and how that might impact their business in terms of just getting the assets they need if they need certain equipment Mm -hmm. what does the relationship look like once they have a loan once they've built that relationship
1: yeah i mean the relationship um i think could be whatever it looks like to you like some people um they don't mind, like and by people, I mean like the entrepreneurs would come in and maybe they don't need to deal with the same person all the time. I personally... Like I have a, I've had clients who they only want to see me, and like that's totally fine. And then you're able to communicate through email, um, just check in. But very often, like once you get the loan, if you don't have any other questions, I'm not gonna bug you. (laughs) Like loan's being paid, that's fine. I'm here if you know, if and when they have any questions or or concerns, kind of thing. Do
0: you think that that's true for most financial institutions, or do you think Van City takes a more hands off approach with how they operate?
1: I. I feel like fancy would take more of a hands on approach. We're just not um like that's just we're not gonna be checking in very often um because we have so many clients potentially right so
0: right. so you do you have to submit like uh your financial statements every year or every six months like it depends
1: on up? the amount of the loans and stuff like that, so I guess I'll explain to um I mean, I already kind of touched on it that when I was an account manager, um, I did some business stuff. Vansity now actually has, that's actually been specialized as well. Um, So it's a business, branch business account manager. Uh, So yeah, that's cool because I was doing two jobs apparently before, but now that's a whole separate uh, title, which is good. I feel like that's what the business um, clients deserve because then maybe it is a bit more um, of a check-in because you have more time to focus on just your business um, clients. I also, so, um, you know, you can pop into their shop if they if they have like a bricks and mortar shop and like get like have them sign something and you can just be more hands on that way, which I really liked. Um, then there's like another person kind of above that or another role that's above that that focuses on larger deals and that sort of thing. So you, the account manager in the branch might just be kind of just helping you get started with that loan to buy your equipment or the loan to do like an operational line of credit is just kind of to help um, as a buffer, right? So for your payroll and that sort of thing, your your Visa or MasterCard um, for operating expenses and that sort of stuff. It gets your base stuff done and that might be the only level you need. That's just, you know, you get up to like say $50,000 or something. Maybe that's all you need. But if you're looking at doing a larger build out um, or you're buying property like and you need to do, maybe you're building um, you're building out a facility on bare land. Like that's a little bit more complex. You're going to talk to a different specialist at that point. Um, I know for myself personally, I still like to maintain that connection. You know, it's a warm, Hey, this is so-and-so they're going to be helping you with that. I'm still here. I'm, you know, I'm at the branch. I, I know your background, like I'm here to support you. Um, yeah. And then it just goes from there. So
0: that is awesome because I think that that's, partly what's so important is having those connections and feeling supported in this. You're taking a huge risk, you're putting yourself out there, and I think having that support is so necessary. Can you give us a little bit of the landscape of how loans work, lines of credit? Um For some listeners, that this might be a little bit more complicated, but I think that these are the conversations that you're first having in the bank, and it's very intimidating. So, if we can get a little bit of the information out about how the loans work, what the lines of credit look like, just in a broad sense, it might make listeners feel a little bit more comfortable.
1: Sure, yeah. Just a kind of quick, cold notes. Like, I would say uh, right off the bat, credit card, you want to get a separate credit card versus your the one you use for personal stuff. It's going to help bookkeeping a lot easier. Um, you know, people always talk about those write-offs and like, oh, my business lunches and oh, I had to buy this. And okay, <laughs> maybe consult or, you know, take a marketing course or not a marketing course, but an accounting course. Um, but yeah, you want to keep that separate so you know what was a business expense versus your personal expense right off the bat. Plus, um, there's other benefits for using a credit card and that sort of thing, having um, maybe if there's monthly payments coming up, like a cell phone bill, like have that run off of your credit card. And then you have a checking account where your revenues come in and your expenses come out as well, like maybe payroll. With that, um, definitely recommend getting an operating line of credit. So operating line of credit is something that's revolving. Usually it starts at around five to $10,000. It's like $10,000 is attached to your checking account. That way... You know, you're a busy entrepreneur, you're running your business, and you wrote a bunch of payroll checks, and all of a sudden, before you know it, it's Friday, and they clear your account, but you know what, you were short a couple of bucks, but because you have this operating line of credit, you go into it, basically meaning that it's like a, it's a revolving loan, so you don't have to apply for it every month or anything like that, it's just, it's stuck once you apply, and you qualify, and you get it, it's just there. Um... Yeah. So the idea is that it is revolving. It's kind of like a cup and you go into it, you drink it, and then you fill it back up. And that being filled back up is with money. And um, yeah, so that's basically that. It helps just it's peace of mind. You don't have to constantly know exactly to the penny what you have in there. It's a buffer. Um, it helps with cash flow. So cash flow is a huge thing um, in terms of business as well as like business plan writing um, because. Sometimes, you know, it's not always the same. Like every month isn't always the same revenue coming in. Um, Some people have downtime, down seasons, right? Like summer might be slower for people, um, that sort of thing. So it helps, again, it's a buffer. Whereas a loan, so when we talk about loans, they're fixed. They have fixed terms. They're not revolving. They are three years, five years, seven years kind of thing. And um, that would be the term length. And then there would be like an interest rate, and you have a monthly payment that's made up of principal and interest. So it's very concrete. You know, like I'm lending you $10,000 and you're going to pay me back X amount each month. And after four years, it's gone. It's done. And, and that's nice. It's, um, it reduces risks, risk, um, on both parties part. And it's, Usually is a decent interest rate kind of thing, better than a credit card so you don't be buying stuff <laughs> that you don't plan on paying off for four years on a credit card. And uh, typically for business, um, a loan like that is to buy something tangible um, like equipment and that sort of thing or supplies, get you started, that sort of stuff.
0: Okay, so that would be like buying equipment if you're starting a restaurant or getting inventory if you're selling clothing. I'm interested to also understand a little bit more about what you've seen in Van City and kind of what the landscape is of entrepreneurs in the Fraser Valley. And have you seen mistakes or things that you always see that you're like, ah, like if I could get the word out on like approaching this differently or being cognizant of this more, um, that I would, I would say that.
1: Oh, that's a great question. And, um, I mean, yeah, I think I think entrepreneurs and business owners, there's, there's so much weight on them already and stresses. So I don't want to say like, this is what you're doing wrong as well. Let's add to the list because I feel like a lot of us already wear a lot of that on uh, our shoulders. So I would say with mistakes, they're always learning opportunities. And sometimes you don't, you think you made a mistake, but that's just in this one moment. We don't know what that looks like a year from now or six months from now, right? So it's always like, wait, wait and see. Let's see how this actually shakes out at the end of things. So that's my being super nice. Uh, I guess just kind of if there's any tips or kind of patterns I see, I would say I'm a bit of a business plan nerd. So I would say do the business plan. A lot of people shy away from it. It's intimidating. And I fully understand that. Um, But... I like it. It's good. A, you need it to start. Like, if you want to do any lending, you're going to have to fill it out. Um, And usually people just kind of look at it as a, it's just a checkbox. I have to check. Like, I don't want to do this. But if you have a different relationship with it, um, it can be a blueprint to your future. And it can be exciting. And I would also say to look back on it um, and keep it as like a living dynamic document where, okay, two years down, like, let's read it. And maybe you're going to laugh and be like, oh, I thought this was important back there. But now I've reassessed. Um, So, yeah. And because it's for yourself, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Like, not that doesn't have to be structured, but the business plan you would write for a lender would be different when you're asking someone for money versus this document that I'm talking about that you can keep for yourself to just check in, um, see where you're at and make sure you're on track and that sort of thing. I think once you start, there's like this beautiful like aura around the starting the new business. There's excitement. And then once you're in it, it's like, Holy hell! What just happened? And you're like, and you're just in it, and and you forget about all the the plans and the great ideas you had because you're just you're you're just running the business, which can sometimes be very time consuming, and things optics look it looks different when you're in it versus you can be above it and just looking down and like planning, and you have the time and you're able to breathe, and uh, yeah, so sometimes it, it just looks different, and I would encourage people to just have that pause, step. Back, look make sure you're still doing like your whole you're still in line with your why and why you're even going down this path to begin with because sometimes you get pulled into a certain direction um or you get really hyper focused on something and it's just don't be scared to just pause and reflect and yeah
0: there's a lot of parallels to the business plan to following a calendar because I hear a lot of people say, "I don't want to keep a calendar. I don't want to have all my to-do list all laid out all mm. the time." And it's like, but you can put in floating. You can put in the positive things into your calendar where you have a positive relationship where you're, with your calendar. And yes, you're going to have some responsibilities. You're going to have to uh, take out the dishes or do whatever kind of responsibilities you have in your day to day. But you can also put in those positive things. And it kind of sounds like that's what you're arguing with the business plan is: don't just look at it as your duties and responsibilities look at it as your future and the possibilities and make sure you tie the two together so you actually do want to go look at it. Mm -hmm. Can you lay out a little bit more of what you would want people to put into a business plan? Not because you work at Van City, but because like what are the things in there that will help people be more successful if they take the time to go through and create a business plan?
1: Yeah, well I'll circle back a little bit too to just again like another tip or things I see people potentially do. That I'm like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And that's asking for help. And I think that that goes along the same lines as the business plan is there would be two main focuses on the business plan I would recommend. One is the numbers piece. I guess that's a little bit of the vanity part sneaking out where we want people to know that they've thought about it and that they're... um, that they are comfortable with those numbers kind of thing. So cash flow projections are really big for lenders, but also like it, it makes sense because when I was looking um, to do one for LunaFloat, I was like, oh, it's not much easier telling someone to do it versus doing it yourself. Um, and especially when you're passionate, you're like, I don't care. I just want to do it. I don't care what the numbers, like what they look like, but uh, they don't have to be perfect, but just if you start the process, if you take one step forward, try to get some accurate numbers. It just opens up more information. That's good. Um, It's also helpful so you can just be more adaptable. You can see ahead. It's like driving, right? Like when you drive, you look ahead of where you're driving to. You don't just look like a foot in front of you. You have to look farther or else you're going to be, you know, oh no, all of a sudden there's a like a corner and you have to like take it really quickly. Like you want to be able to anticipate what's ahead. Um, Yeah. And then you're just better prepared. Uh, So that's the numbers piece. And then the passion piece, like why you're doing what you're doing, what sets you apart from other businesses that might be similar to you. Uh, I think that's a huge one as well. And just like pour out everything that you're thinking and feeling about what your business looks like and, you know, check it back to why you're doing this, because that becomes your becomes your mandate. It becomes your culture um, with your staffing. It helps with branding. Like, it's just, it's so much like if you have this idea and this feeling, get it out on paper, draw. And this is the thing, it doesn't have to necessarily be like, I'm typing up this boring document. I love working with creative people. Paint it. Like be inspired. Like whatever it works like however it works for you. Um, whatever if it's it's for you. So yeah, I think that would be cool. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Can you tell us about how to get the numbers? What where do you go? Where do you research in order to you have this idea in your head, there's nothing like it in Chilliwack. How do you figure out whether or not it's financially viable or what the cash flow projections might look like
1: right so it's it's hard it can be hard depending on the business um you can try to find similar businesses and ask them for help i think i'm a huge believer in collaboration um And, you know, with opening a float center, the closest one at the time was in Langley. Um, So, I mean, it was kind of nice because it was like, hey, like, I'm not your direct competition. Like, and I think, I mean, I lucked out because floating is a very collaborative um, community. And we just think that, you know, the more people floating, the better. And uh, so a lot of people uh, who I reached out to were super... I mean, besides the fact that they're entrepreneurs and they're busy, <laughs> they were like with a time ta- they did make a little bit of time with for me to give me some of their numbers. So that helped. You know, at least you get numbers. The other thing with um doing cash flow projections is you might like it depends, like we talked to someone from Whistler. Well, obviously their expenses might be a bit higher. But that's fine. I would recommend doing three different projections. They do kind of like your your highs, your lows, and then somewhere in between. So that way you're kind of looking at all of the scenarios, potentially.
0: Right. Do you, is there any websites people can visit if there's like a more common business that they're thinking of starting, like a restaurant?
1: Um, I mean, I think a good website would be Small Business BC. They have a lot of different courses, like um, little webinars, and they have a lot of downloadable uh, content as well, like business plans and stuff like that.
0: Okay. Yeah so I'm also interested to make sure that we talk about because a lot of we've touched on this already that passion is a huge thing for entrepreneurs and their drive and their willingness to to push ahead and try and bring something positive to the community and I've heard it compared to like the hero myth of seeing a problem and trying to fix that and address it in the community obviously you're an excellent example because with LunaFloat, Float um, you've had your own health struggles and you brought something to the community that helps other people address their health struggles so I'm interested to know what you've seen in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit and what you think that does in our community
1: I I just think that entrepreneurs like if you know one give them a hug <laughs> because very often like i mean we talk about numbers but often that's not the driving force behind in my experience um that's not the driving force of why people open a business i mean it should be right to make money that's what we're told but often it's there's so many other reasons why people do this and oftentimes you know they are they're putting their their own financial like assets on the line they're taking out loans in their own name they're um they're taking out their savings and and putting, investing it into this idea, into this business that they believe in. And they're, if they have employees, they're, they're paying their employees and they're supporting them. And often they they put themselves last, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like there, I see people out there who I've always felt as a lender that I needed to warn people in a way that this isn't the easy way out. Like some people are like, um maybe they're a plumber or like they work for someone else and they're like well i can own my own company like i'm good at this and i can just start my own company but it's like okay yeah but you're really good at doing this plumbing for instance (laughs) um but are you going to be okay like bidding on jobs um do we like having employees that um you're responsible for and maybe the answer is yes and that's fine but it's just it's so much more so you have to be I think you have to have something more like there has to be more of a passion or some a purpose behind it more not just oh I, I could do this and then it's easier I'd rather work for myself because it's easier like uh, I wouldn't say it's easier it's different and there's obviously like pros and cons to being an employee or being self-employed um but i would just always kind of caution people that it's not just like oh hit the easy button i'll just work for myself and i don't have to answer to anyone it's like okay and very often um longer days you know um because you're doing more um you're playing diff- more roles so the good news is most of the time people knew that especially if they they're starting their business they would rather work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day for themselves, then eight hours, seven hours a day for someone else kind of thing. Um, Like, you have to be kind of okay with that, maybe at least starting out. So, I think most of them, they got to, they were at a point in their life where they're like, yep, that's fine. I'm doing it. And... Yeah, that's where the passion comes in. I guess it keeps you, keeps you going.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of hours, and it is putting it in for yourself, building your own brand, building your own name, and having something that you can have confidence in. I'm also just interested to wrap up this uh, Van City discussion on what you think the landscape is for somebody. Should they be going to different financial institutions and talking to different people, or is that less necessary? I know with mortgages, often people shop around and try and find the best rate. Is that what somebody should be be doing or should they be trying to figure out who is going to support them the best what do you think people should be looking for when they're trying to choose between all the big banks van city prospera all these different organizations is there something that should uh, help inform their decision
1: yeah um another great question i mean i don't think there's a specific right answer i would be more i guess go with your gut intuition someone that you feel is listening to you and is supportive. If you can't go into your financial institution and feel heard or comfortable even going in, then that's going to be a barrier and that's going to be an issue. You want to do business with someone that you are comfortable with. So I would say to a degree you might want to shop around. Um, with When it comes to lending, you don't want to go into a bunch of financial institutions and be like, hey, I want to apply for a loan because that actually is like a hit on your credit bureau each time you do it. Um, and it just might. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it is. It would affect your credit um, to a degree. To a degree, because it would be looking like you're searching for credit and you want to get all of these loans everywhere. Um, I think you could probably narrow it down to like convenience. Like you're going to go somewhere that's close to you. Uh, maybe it's where you do your banking already, and you already have a relationship. Maybe you just didn't know that they also could help you in that other capacity. Um, I would ask friends and family if they have any recommendations. I would. I guess one thing I would look for in a lender or, like, someone to have a relationship with in that regard would be, again, like, collaboration. Like, not an organization that's just, like, you have to only deal with us. And, um, like, kind of, like, like I'm also part of the Stella Community Futures Lending Committee. Um, so, Community Futures is a huge... Um, like, I would refer to people starting a business as well because they offer different programs. They offer maybe even more hands-on support with business plan writing and that sort of thing. And you don't have to have everything in one place. Like, it's not... Um, like, often financial institutions are very... Um, they're, they have to follow certain rules and uh, mitigate risk. And so while you know, starting a new business can be perceived as pretty risky. Yeah, often, like, banks are more like, in two, again, like I said, two years, we need proof of income, whereas when you're first starting out, you're just not going to have that. So you need people to take a chance on you. Um, there's a the term microloan. So again, like, I know Vansity um, has different programs and that sort of thing. But you don't have to get it all at the one one place. Um, BDC is also, um, like, a large business lending kind of institution what is bdc what does that stand for business uh, development corporation maybe (laughs) and uh so bdc is great actually um from like i have um lending through them as well so yeah they require a business plan um but they might be able to do a little bit more so i'll just use Lunaflow as an example um we had to do a big build out we um, got into a space that was brand new so it was actually not even built yet it was just a pile of dirt when I was walking by a- in Garrison and yeah I saw the sign coming soon and so we looked at the floor plan and we actually ended up um, applying to lease two units and then we were going to combine it into one so we had to put a lot of money into doing the rest of the build like pouring concrete, redirecting, plumbing and it's it's a, a tough like uh, sell, I guess, for like a smaller, not even a smaller financial institution, but it's not um, as neat and tidy as, oh, I'm, I need money to build or like for um, clothing so I can sell the clothing. Like that's retail. That's, that's kind of makes sense. Like you're buying it at this low price. I'm going to resell it for this higher price. It's tangible. Um, with leasehold improvements, you don't take the walls back with you when you like, you know, you don't get to take that nice polished concrete with you. So um, it's obviously essential to opening the business, but it doesn't directly help you earn revenue, right? Like build it and they will come. Like, so it would be considered higher risk. Um, and yeah, you're, it's not like a, something you can take security on. Like if I'm buying a work vehicle and, it doesn't pan out like that financial institution can seize that asset potentially, right? Like there's nothing you can seize. There's not. So anyways, it's just, it's deemed higher risk, um, larger amounts of money. Um, So then, yeah, you might have to go to BDC or something like that for that. So um, I think a, a lender or having a relationship with someone at your financial institution, who's not worried about just getting what's best for you, doing what's like, the right thing for that person versus, like, oh, it has to all be through me, and if it's not, then you can't get it. Like, why would you hide that from someone if that's their best next step kind of thing right
0: yeah it sounds like a wraparound approach is is what's going to make the difference for someone we've led into luna float can Mm -hmm. you tell us what you were thinking when you were getting started um some of the things you felt like you needed to check your boxes on whether it was marketing or getting the word out what what were you thinking when you were um getting started
1: yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like the honeymoon phase. I miss, I miss those times. It was a simpler time (laughs) where you're not fully open. Uh, like you're not, you're not operating yet, but, um, I started social media marketing right off the bat. Like I think almost a year before we even opened, it was kind of like just putting it out there. Um, and I feel like it's something that we did well, um, early on and we got the word out there. Growing up in Chilliwack, there's been times where I've seen that, like, going on a business sale on on a restaurant or like a place and you're just like, what? I didn't even know that was a thing. And, you know, because you're just doing your same route and you, you go to the same places and you just missed out. You didn't realize there was a new store kind of thing. And then it's too late. And I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that statistic. I wanted people to know that we existed. Um, we did other things too. We kind of just we're like, okay, let's do radio, let's do everything, let's see what works, and then we'll kind of narrow it down um, to work, what works with our demographic and that sort of thing. But yeah, early on, it was, yeah, kind of, I liked uh, the fun parts of, like, branding and, um, yeah, doing the social media posts and that sort of thing. Once this business is up and running, sometimes I feel like, even now, like, we're almost... This October is going to be our fourth year being open. And there's still a huge list of things I haven't done yet that I'm like, oh, no, ah, it's been four years. How has it been four years um, that I want to do with regards to marketing? But in my defense, I've always maintained that I wanted slow organic growth. I want. So for me, that's, that's word of mouth. Um, part of marketing, I think that is just wowing the, the clients, the customers that you have who do who are there already and coming in. So that they are going to refer people, their friends and family, and just educate people when they come in. And then that's kind of your marketing. That's, yeah.
0: That's awesome. And I think that you do a really good job of that because that's how you became onto uh, Rebecca and I's radar is you do a really good job of creating a community of people who can share their float experiences, uh, sharing updates, um, being involved in the community. And so I'm interested to get um, why you started Luna Float and what was that community piece for you?
1: yeah so i started luna float um i always kind of joke that i did it for myself because i didn't want to drive all the way out to vancouver to float um and i mean it was true so i really found floating for anxiety and stress um i was so surprised that something could help so much, like you're just you're just lying there doing nothing. How could this this help? But it was definitely yeah, the calm in the storm kind of thing. It helped me rest, relax, recharge, um, sleep better. Just things that were super, I think, very common in this day and age, in society. And it made me, I guess, a little bit more brave to share my stories. And the more open I was to share about that it's kind of like if you show you know if you're authentic with other people then they are authentic back and so it's i think made people feel comfortable to share their own stories and it was like okay right there like it's it's ending stigma against mental health and just kind of owning your own story and and being comfortable with what that looks like and what you need to help yourself kind of thing. So, I feel like right now we're constantly all about being busy and that's like almost like a badge of honor, but burnout's a real thing. Um and it's hard when it's not yeah, like a physical element or ailment where someone can say, "Oh yeah, this is what's wrong with you. I can clearly see." But when it's behind like below the surface kind of thing and then it, people aren't as necessarily um, empathetic or you know, sympathetic to your issues. Um, but it's very real. <laughs> so we see people who, yeah, who are struggling with anxiety or depression or PTSD or even more physical things that are still invisible like fibromyalgia and other chronic pain conditions. So while we all have our own different stories, I think that was kind of our common common bond. And not that everyone who floats needs to have some, you know, trauma or some story. Like it can just be to rest and relax. Like as a new mom, I think I could still say that he's just turned one um I'm realizing just like kind of the cliches are true and just how um, important taking time for yourself is and how hard it is to take an hour to out of your day for yourself um, but you totally need to to kind of refill your cup and um yeah so I think I just love hearing other people's story and if they're getting something out of it and they want to share that with us it's awesome and I think just to be know that you're not alone in your experience just is helpful.
0: That's fantastic. I'm interested to know how you approach hiring in that regard because it sounds like you do have your own story. But how did you and how do you go about choosing who's going to be representing your business when you're not there? Because I think that that's where right now it feels like hiring interviews is a hot topic on social media right now of trying to bring in the right people and having people actually show up and be passionate and kind of share the same passion as you um with regards to your business
1: yeah so it's kind of funny because um i loved human resources in you know university uh but i never went that route but again it's um it plays in different elements of like the psychology piece as well. Um, we're all very unique, like we did the myers Briggs, just stuff like that. And, um so I find it very interesting. and yet I didn't take a very structured approach when I did my hiring. Uh, I went with more of that like gut approach um, kind of kept it casual, did the whole like ask questions and that sort of thing. when we first opened um because we did the social media because we you know were had marketing, I feel like our branding was really on point and authentic early on, and so it kind of, like, was shining this light, this, like, bat signal of, you know, kind of who I was, and people either resonated with it or didn't, and so right just from the get-go, we attracted somewhat, like, like like-minded people, um, or not even, like, like like-minded, I I mean, I guess like-minded, but I want people to be unique, like, I don't want just to hire people who are exactly like me, um, I just, I believe that you can train, I mean, I wasn't looking for people who had float therapy facilitator experience, because what are the chances of that? Um, so early on, it was just like, but I think it can be applied to other things, like something common, like the restaurant. Sure, it's probably easy, a lot easier to find someone who's worked at a restaurant than someone who's worked at a float center, <laughs> right? But you can teach people the job. What you can't teach people is caring, um, is being creative, um, wanting to help people, that sort of thing. So I think what I was looking for, um, early on were people who were compassionate, caring people, um, because we're serving them. Like we might, we're not like a massage therapist where we're there doing the massage, but we're curating an experience for these people. And sometimes afterwards people want to talk and share and, you know, just, being there for people holding space like that's something um, that i thought was important so when we're talking and having like a casual conversation or interview i was paying attention to how you know engaging with this person made me feel and how you know they would present themselves in that kind of environment i guess um also you know there's just that Like, it's not a glamorous job. You're cleaning the showers and, you know, uh, it's just... And you're doing a lot of different kind of random stuff. So someone who is, you know, just not, like... Just being very honest with what the job entails and also being honest, like, sharing your stories. I'm a huge believer in stories. So sharing the stories with the potential uh, employee and seeing if that resonates with them. um, And, like, kind of, like, explaining your why. And then maybe that just helps them like have their own why and then it just helps when you go into work every day when you have something better like bigger than just a paycheck it's it's something more right they they get more out of this job than just the paycheck and the the free flips and stuff like that it's a nice perk but um and I mean I think like I often forget and I feel like I'm just lucky I've been very fortunate to have a lot of amazing employees come and some have gone because they've Maybe they've done something on their own or they've moved, but like, it's always been a very rewarding relationship, whether they have stayed or gone. Um, so sometimes I think I'm just lucky, but then I think back, I'm like, must have done something right. And even over COVID, like they, we were having, we missed each other. And so we would have Zoom calls and as soon as we could reopen, like they were back. they Like we reopened when we wanted to June 1st and there was no hiccups like all four or five people who were employed at that time came back and I think that's just really a testament to them um, believing in what we're doing for our community.
0: That's that's so fantastic to hear and I think There's a lot of important things that you've said through bringing these people on, because I think that you've done a really good job of finding people who represent your business well and who are passionate. And I'm just interested to know what you think of the resume cover letter process, because I think that. Sometimes that ends up moving people away from the passion and giving people a list of duties and responsibilities Rather than talking about the why and why you're joining this team And I'm just interested to know do you think that we sometimes move too much in that direction? Do you think that that's really valuable to have people's credentials laid out? What are your thoughts from your perspective as a business owner when you get to see the impact of choosing people based on the conversation? Rather than what they've written up on a piece of paper
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's difficult because how do you get your foot in the door and how do you get in front of the person making that hiring decision, right? Um, I'm not at LunaFloat as often anymore. And um, I think, like, one of my favorite stories, I guess, one of the first people I hired was, uh, she was amazing and she really helped. Actually, the first people we hired, I mean, because it wasn't like, this is McDonald's and we have a, a... we're a franchise, and we know exactly, like, everything right off the bat, as soon as we open the doors, I was still learning as we go, we were still, like, kind of, uh, creating, um, policies and procedures, like, so these people had to be super adaptable and, um, think on their feet and be confident to give me feedback and say, hey, this is what I think. And um, this is how I'm doing things. And like, we would talk about it. And so, yeah, it was really awesome. The t- first couple people that we had were just great. And everyone since then has been great too. It's just been different because those people kind of paved the way for the next and, and so on and so forth. Um, and I don't know if I would recommend this, but I guess because we were posting a lot on social media, um, my husband and I were going to take part of a Namaste uh, hiking co's event. Um, it was up Mount Tom and we're going to do this little hike and then do yoga on the top. And she was like, oh, Luna float's going. So she just like signed up and like did the hike. And then on the way down, she was like, so anyways, hi. And like saddled up next to me. and was basically like, this is why you should hire me. And it was first I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like we're in the woods. I'm like, who is this? interesting person who's basically stalked me <laughs> and i but then i kind of loved it too and it, it was creative it was a creative way to um to have that conversation and again it's how people make you feel and by the time we got to the end i was like yeah like we're friends and i definitely like let's continue this conversation and i don't regret hiring her she was amazing um so i do feel like yes, the resume piece is kind of, like, a necessary evil, if you want to call it that, but because you want to, like, have that conversation, but how do you bridge that? How do you how do you start that? Yeah, you can, uh, another one who is currently working for us, she she stopped in, and I happened to be working, so she, um, yeah, was like, hey, I want to work here, tell me what I need to know, and here's my questions, and like, this is why I'd be great, and at first I was like, oh, again, like, you're kind of like, wow, taken back. But again, both those people, when they have in common passion and um, yeah. And so she's been a great hire as well. Uh, other than that, like, yeah, sometimes these resumes come across my, my desk, uh, so to speak. And so now all of a sudden you are kind of like having to judge this person or assess this person based on some words on a piece of paper. And um, you're trying to like, you're trying to make it more, you're trying to fill in the gaps. You're trying to like what does this mean that she was she did this or he did that like um for work like you're trying to decipher like and pick like would this be and you don't know you don't know really so again you want to put something on it that is going to maybe be interesting pique the person's interest um but i think you have to if you want to um be serious follow up, right? Try to reach and connect with that person. Just dropping off the resume isn't going to be enough. And I know like, yeah, with what's going on in social media right now, it's kind of like, well, I don't need to do that because I'm like, people are screaming that there's like a kind of like a shortage of of good employees. And so there's that confidence piece and that's great. Um, That's probably not the person who necessarily like needs to work with us. Like if they don't, if they're not passionate about working for Luna Float um, for our guests, then that's fine. Um, if they're just more like, yeah, throwing out resumes and seeing what sticks, like then that's, that's totally some, like that's a strategy, I guess. Um, but we're kind of looking for someone who's not just looking for a job, but they're looking for, yeah, a little bit more that whole, like, you know, contributing and being part of a team and, um, who knows a little bit about the business and maybe I'm being, maybe I I'm just lucky and that I can come from a place of saying like, I can pick and choose like, um, who I think is going to be a good fit and who's going to enjoy being part of the team. Because um, I know, yeah, people are struggling to find uh, good workers right now, it seems. But uh, yeah.
0: I just see your passion come through and I feel like that resonates with people and then I see other small businesses not doing that and saying here's my job posting it's on craigslist and it's just here's what you'll get paid here's your duties here's your responsibilities and that's it and to me that misses the population that you really want which are going to be passionate about um being healthy or or participating in the passion and I think that you've done a really good job at branding yourself as that sharing your story and getting that out there but i'm also interested to know what is it like to now have employees what is that responsibility like but how is that rewarding to build a team
1: yes i have to remind myself that it's rewarding because sometimes it's it's hard it's like silly because i know that this was a part of it and i know about human resources i know about business but once you're in it there's sometimes these realizations like oh they're a responsibility as well. Like as much as, you know, you're hiring them and they have a responsibility to do the job, to um, again, like, yeah, the cleaning and all that sort of stuff. But um to represent your brand, to make your guests feel, you know, a certain way. But you also have a huge responsibility to them. That again, it's not just, oh well I pay them and that's it. You have to yeah, like they're human beings, they're, like, all, I'm glad, like, you don't have to be friends, I guess, with all of them, but I just happen to be friends with them, I think, because they're, they're awesome people, and uh, it's hard for me to, um... Yeah, just not want to get to know them better and like obviously that's looked different over COVID. <laughs> um, but we like this summer we hadn't been able to do like a team bonding thing. And so we actually went to Caltis Lake and we did um the paddle boarding and it was able yeah, it was just like a time to like be able to connect. Because these are people who have their own lives. Like they don't they're not gonna necessarily as passionate and as amazing as my um employees are, they also are their own people. They have their own life. They have their own family. Um, they have their own passions and wants and needs and all that stuff. And I think it's so important to know those things and not just assume that these, this person's coming in and they owe you something. Um, they're taking care of my baby, which is Luna float, my, my first baby, second baby. Um, and you're doing more than just paying them to thank them. You, like, I just always thought like, I don't like Vacation's a good time. Like, when we do the scheduling, I listen to everyone's input. Um, So, you're giving them your time as well. Like, they're giving you their time in exchange for a paycheck. But also, you're giving them your time to listen and hear them. um, What empowers them? What motivates them? Um, Like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want... Because I think maybe that is why they're having a shortage of employees is like, you're not offering them what they need. It's not just about the pay for them. It's, um, it's connecting with a group of people. It's being heard. It's having flexibility, autonomy, um, having that work-life balance, like whatever it is for people. I find I often also have hired people who are entrepreneurial spirited as well. So like right now we have someone who is a photographer as well. And so I'm very supportive of that. Um, you know, we've hung and some of her, uh, photography in our space to sell for her. We've, um, you know, I'm cognitive of her schedules and when she needs to like do shoots and stuff like that. Um, we've hired her for different shoots, right? It's just about, again, like the collaboration piece and I want them to succeed in all of their facets of Their life, not just here at LunaFlow, right? So I just think if you can, I mean, maybe that's not um, easy for other businesses. We only have four or five employees at a time. Um, So I understand with like other businesses where there's more employees, but don't just lose them as like a number and like, oh yeah, we have too many employees to do that. Like, I still think in some capacity you have to be able to be more attainable, uh, approachable, and Yeah, it's a relationship. And if you want them to work hard for you, I think you need to work hard for them and however that looks and what they need.
0: I think that that's really important because I think of... That disconnect occurring and then that disconnect occurring with that employee and the customer and that over time taking place where if you're not connecting with your team, then they're not going to connect as well with your customers. And then long term, that's going to have impact on the viability of anybody's business. Mm -hmm. And so I think continuing that relationship is so important. And I'm really grateful to hear that because I think that that is where the soul of like Luna Float or whatever the business is, is so important to keep in mind because most entrepreneurs start with a passion and then by five years, maybe 10 years, they start to disconnect from the people doing the the day-to-day work and then that starts to cause problems for them. I'm also interested to know about Stolo Community Futures. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved and about the organization?
1: Right. So Community Futures um, is all throughout yeah, BC, like the Lower Mainland and stuff. Um, like there's Community Futures, South Fraser. Um, Stalo Community Futures is just a community community features with an Indigenous lens. So while any Indigenous entrepreneur can go to any um, community features for, for help um, and or lending, um, Stalo is kind of like just for Indigenous entrepreneurs. Uh, it's located... better at stala and um i got into it because of vansity i was working with entrepreneurs and i'm not i've been with them for like six or seven years so i don't actually even remember to be honest how who met who like how we bumped into each other how that actually started i'm thinking maybe like vansity had a indigenous um kind of liaison rep from their head office who would come to all different communities and um, help with different things. And I think maybe he introduced us and then, yeah, from there, basically it made sense. Like they wanted, they really cool. Like, so the committee, they have a board of directors and then they have a committee that makes kind of like the, um, some of the decisions on some of the larger lending. Other than that, they have like a basic account manager who would be the person you would talk to would help you with your business plan and give you a loan or not. Um, at a certain point, a uh, threshold, they would have to refer to a committee to get approval. Um, so they, so you would give their, your business plan to them and then they would kind of do their due diligence and then present it to the committee saying, this is why I want to give this person this money da, 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 and give you all of the, the details. And then as a committee, we would we would discuss and deliberate uh, and that sort of thing. So early on we had, again, kind of a diverse group of people. My background was my business background as well as my um, financial literacy background. Being a lender myself, I knew what we looked for. Um, maybe we were a little bit more, um, not structured, but like risk averse. Like we were all about mitigating risk and we needed the two years. Whereas community futures was a little bit more flexible, a little bit of that micro loan kind of, um, Piece. Um, whereas, I mean, Vansity is really good though about like, care, like looking at the whole picture and your character and all that stuff. Like, we, we, we would try as hard as we could. Um, but again, Community Features was a different avenue as well. Um, and we had an elder who didn't really have a lot of, um, financial background, but she brought a lot of other huge assets to, um, those deliberations as well. So yeah, it's, it's, and then that's always changed with people coming and going throughout the committee but um great like a great group of people and uh they're like they they do so much for the community they um create there's also different workshops you can take and yeah very hands-on um over covid we're reaching out trying to like support entrepreneurs however they needed um yeah just Can't say enough good things about them over there.
0: (laughs) Awesome. What would people expect if they were considering reaching out? And what point in time should they be reaching out? Is this something where they could reach out when they just have an idea? Or should they already have a business in place? What can people expect?
1: They should totally reach out, even if they just have an idea. Um, Yeah, they're a great resource and they'll take the time to talk through those things with you. Um, They might even be able to prefer other clients like that might be able to help like almost in a mentor kind of way um which i think is really cool but uh, or again point them in the right direction of okay here's your next steps and come back to us after you've done this this and this or um they have books like here's some suggestions on what you could do and um yeah you know wealth of information so and if they have like they run lots of different workshops so there might be a workshop coming up that would be super interesting for them and that sort of thing.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the loans process? You mentioned microloans. How does that all look? And um, from your position as somebody who gets to help make the decision, what what are people typically looking for in your position?
1: Um, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I use the term microloan, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're small loans. They can be quite large. Um, for me... I mean, they make it so easy for the committee, honestly, because they've already done the due diligence. They've already done it. So if it's if they're presenting it to the committee, like, quite often, um, very rarely are we like, mm, no, I think you've completely, yeah, like, are completely wrong and this is a terrible idea. Like, that never happens. Um, but there might be, like, other things that... Um, depending on the committee, right? Like we might be a little bit more risk adverse that day. And we're like, I don't know, we want this, this, and this first. So then we, she would just go back, um, to the, the person asking for the money kind of thing. And maybe that would have to be done first before we lend or, um, yeah, just different things. So sometimes it's not always a no, but like, how about we do this as well? And, but again, really, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy because as a lender at, Man City, you're the one doing the due diligence, and it's kind of on you. You're making that decision, typically. In this case, the committee is working together to just, again, trying to, um, because maybe a larger amount, we're just making sure all the T's are crossed, I's are dotted, that sort of thing.
0: What order do you think people should go in or is there one in regards to um going to friends and family first for a loan or getting financial support to contacting like South Fraser community futures or Stolo Community Futures to going to Van City? Is there any preference or recommendation on where they should start?
1: Um, I mean, it's so personal, right? Like I would say wherever you think you should start is where you should start. Um, usually it's gonna be your own like resources um so probably just i guess whoever you're more comfortable with um i would if you're an an indigenous entrepreneur i would highly recommend solid community futures and they're gonna cross refer as well right like i had lots of referrals from them when i was um a business account manager and um they'll yeah they'll help direct you into different ways if you already have a relationship with someone at your financial institution go to them uh, the friends and family one is a tough it's a tough one because um, there's there's a lot of emotions um, when you're passionate about something and i would probably i would hesitate to tell someone to do something or not to do something when it comes to family but i think i would probably try to avoid that at first for a couple of different reasons um one you don't want to get talked out of it per se. Like, especially if it comes to, like, you're asking family for money and, like, now they're going to be critiquing you because they're like, okay, well, if I'm going to lend you money, like, I want to make sure it's a good idea. And they're not lenders. They don't know how to, like, they might not know how to mitigate risk or how to view a business and, um, in that regard. So they might just be like, ah, it's too risky. No. And now not only do you have no money, but you (laughs) now have all these negative, like, thoughts and feelings and so it might not be the best or it might harm your relationship and that sort of thing uh so i mean again it depends on how much money um that you're asking for potentially but i personally i mean i that being said i mean i did help get some help from my family at some point um so it's a very real thing but would i start there probably not just because when you when you're starting out you're already shaky you might already be kind of like having some doubts and you just really want to make sure whatever is going to help you with your confidence and again they're not professional lenders unless they are (laughs) they happen to be Um, so I probably avoid that just for the first little bit Um, but that does make me think of other unique ways of getting funding like um crowdsourcing and that sort of thing right like that's kind of similar where friends and family could help um, and it helps as well proof of concept so i've seen other float centers um say they want to bring in like ice baths or something like that or an infrared sauna um, which we happen to have, but you know, sometimes instead of just like getting a loan for it or buying it, they're like, okay guys, if you want a nice bath, let's start doing some crowdfunding. So like, or, um, and we kind of did this in a roundabout way. Like when we started, we did pre-sale membership. So it helps build capital, um, before you're even open potentially. And then it's also a proof of concept. Like look at a hundred people signed up and gave us 50 bucks or whatever it might be. Right. Um, So not only are you getting a little bit of cash flow your way, but you're also um, able to use it to show a lender that, hey, like people believe in me (laughs) and this is a thing and there's a, a want for it.
0: That is fantastic, and it kind of leads into another question I have. What was the most intimidating part of starting Luna Float? Was it the business incorporation, where you're like getting these official documents that says it's incorporated? Was it when the money came in, and now it's time to start doling it out? What was the what was the hardest part of starting it?
1: Um, I mean, I'm obviously very fortunate that I had the background with. Um, lending and navigating the business plan, that sort of thing. So I think what comes to mind is actually uh, why I had to finally eventually reach out to family was the 11th hour kind of thing. We were working with BDC to um, do the build out loans and all that good stuff. Actually, that almost fell through which was so scary because like we had already started buying things like we already had like everything was like the wheels were in motion and then there was like a big hiccup and that was really scary i mean we obviously got through it um honestly i don't even know how it just it was like meant to be and so i just i was tenacious i wouldn't take no for an answer and it worked out (laughs) Long story short, Um, but what was happening was we were going to lease our float tanks, the four float tanks, and the leasing company that was recommended to us was, uh, well, how do I want to say this? We basically signed um, something at a certain rate, and then of the 11th hour, they were like, actually, your rate's going to be this, and it was like four times, it was like putting it basically on credit card. And that was unacceptable, and it felt really, like, underhanded, and I was not happy. And uh, I, at that point, had different options. I was like, I could maybe go through SCF, like, stall Community Features, or I can get another personal loan. Like, we don't have to lease it, or we'll look for another leasing company. Um, But at that point, I was just, like, so mad, because he he felt, he knew that we were in a hard place, because, like, we need these. He's the, the one in our like, our way of getting it, and so we basically were going to be so desperate that we would sign anything kind of thing. Wow. That's how I felt, and I was more like, like, at least I'm educated and confident enough to know that this is wrong, whereas I'm, like, what made me even more mad was other people probably wouldn't. They would be like, okay, I guess that's what I have to do. Oh, it made me so mad. I'm getting fired up already right now (laughs) thinking about it, and so, yeah, I basically had reached out for, like, I knew I'd be able to... um, acquire funds to pay it out but for the interim just to get the ball rolling i needed money right away and so i went to um some family members and was like this is what's happening and they were equally upset so they were like yep here here and again totally like fortunate and privileged that this was even an option but we basically were able to write a check and buy and acquire the tanks for the interim before i can finance it and tell us gotta chop it basically <laughs> Wow. yeah so for my family that was more like that was the incentive was to tell this guy to go yeah so yeah
0: that that is a lot to go through i can't imagine how does starting luna float compare to like because it sounds like it's kind of in the service industry Mm -hmm. was that like a preference from the beginning or was it just coincidence that you weren't selling products that people would take home and do you have any thoughts on the differences between um starting a business when you're dealing with products versus services
1: yeah so when we first started um we knew uh, had heard that like having some retail is good. Um <laughs> it's a good idea to have. But that wasn't something I was totally looking at doing. Um now, especially after COVID and we were shut down, we weren't able to provide services. Uh, our retail came in huge. And it's funny because on of the previous podcast we had talked about how when i was younger i sold freezies on the corner and like i liked like back then I, I calculated okay i have to pay this much for the box of freezies but then i'm able to sell the freezies for a little bit more and that's how you get profit and then as I got older, I was like, okay, like, I just, it felt weird to me to, like, retail wasn't my thing. That wasn't what I was passionate about. But how it became more of my passion and how I'm actually, um, it's something that I still want to work and grow on. Like, we have lots of plans and ideas for Lunafloat in terms of retail that still haven't come to fruition. But it's the collaboration piece. It's not, it's like, um not just, oh, I'm buying this for X amount and selling it for a markup. It's the fact that we um, collaborate with other local makers. And so one of, um, shout out to a six cent candle. Um, one of our employees recommended them. She had met her at a market. Really liked her product, really liked her. And my candles, does that have anything to do with floating? Well, that makes her space smell nice. It's part about relaxation, treating yourself, um, that sort of thing, that ambiance piece. So um, one of our bigger sellers. And it's like, yes. So for taking up, a, like we put a lot of her stuff out on our shelves and we promote her on social media as well and vice versa. Um, and we get a piece of that when it sells. Um, but she also gets a piece of that. So every month, you know, I pay out, uh, our retailers, uh, who we carry and it's just, it's fun. Cause it's like, I don't know, you've probably seen it on social media, it's like, when you buy from a small local business, like, like you know that your sale, like, makes the owner do, like, a little happy dance, it's pretty much true, but so when you buy something like that, not only do I do a happy dance, but then I send the money to them, and they do a happy dance, so it just kind of felt like, okay, this is cool, because you get to spread it, like, spread the wealth, share the wealth, and, um, yeah, it's a love kind of thing, and then also, it's, like, a fun thing where it's, like, I enjoy these things, so I'm going to promote them, and, like, other people can benefit from them as well. So I guess that would be a tip would be to diver- like not be scared to diversify if you're in the service industry. Um, bringing in an element of retail is good because, again, when we were closed, all we were doing was like the curbside pickup retail it t- definitely helped us out in a time that was a little unprecedented, a little scary. Um, yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on collaboration? Is it easy to partner with other uh, individuals who have their own thing or uh, other businesses? Is that simple? Or is it actually a lot of work to make sure that you're both on the same page and that you're both putting out the same information, um, getting the word out? Um, how does that all work? Because... It seems like there could be pitfalls and frustrations of you're willing to market it and maybe somebody else isn't, or they said they were going to and they didn't. Like, How does that all come about, and, and what has your experience been?
1: I feel like it's in the same vein as uh, our employees. Like, I feel on one hand, maybe I just lucked out, but I think it's also just connecting with the right people and making sure you're on the same page, and sometimes things didn't feel right, and those things didn't pan out. So... Like, they didn't even get to the point where it was an issue just because it's like, oh, it fell to the wayside. Our communication wasn't, you know, on the same page kind of thing. Um, There has to be this, yeah, mutually beneficial expectation, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I only carry things that I really believe in and like. And so far that's worked out for me. Again, I think if it's... um, if you're just doing it like, oh, this is a good markup. I'm going to sell it just for that. Well, like, do your employees believe in it? Like, does it resonate with your brand? Um, I think those things make sense as well. Know who your demographic is. Like, a, like, It's great that you like the product, but also know who's coming into your store. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I've been fortunate with the collaboration piece. Um, I think it's also... Like I don't know maybe this maybe this sounds too wishy-washy for business but like it's the reciprocity like you're not necessarily expecting something like this is exactly what i need to get back out of it and they're not marketing me properly like you can't you can't micromanage that sort of stuff you have to align yourselves you align yourself with people who you feel um match your brand or match your passion whatever that connection is to them and then just let it go like you can't micromanage that and be like oh i wouldn't have done it that way like just if if you connect like it'll it'll be what it'll be kind of thing and if it still makes sense like and you can change it it doesn't have to be forever right so try it if it didn't work out like, that's okay. And you can just move on and try something different.
0: (laughs) I really appreciate that because consistently throughout this, you've kind of shown that you have a trust and a confidence and a relationship built with everybody that you work with so that you don't have to stress as much about the details Mm -hmm. because you've created a positive relationship where there is reciprocity. You do trust your staff. You do trust the people you partner with and and the team that you build. And I think that that's important for business owners and entrepreneurs to consider because I think we get very eager and then we want to with everybody and we think that connecting is easy Um, so I'm interested to know a little bit about how you view networking because it's something that we push a lot of and I'm just interested to hear your thoughts because it sounds like you have a different approach you have more of a I want to make sure that there's a true connection there it's not just about we met for coffee once and that's enough for us to be connected it seems like it's something deeper for you
1: yeah well I think the connecting piece is like meeting for coffee and stuff uh, is good um, yeah I mean networking is a funny word I think because when people think of it they think of yeah that like you're at some sort of mixer and you're swapping business cards with people I mean I, at least I think that's what people still picture <laughs> um, and that's part of it but yeah not really my my thing like I want people who are genuinely interested in learning about other people um and seeing if there's anything there right like not some people just yeah you can tell when they're just there for kind of like themselves and they just want to yeah spread their business card and it, with what's in it for them whereas when you connect with someone just to connect and share and learn from other people i think you can learn so much from other people and i always go in there with a um hoping to learn something new or making a new connection or hearing a new story um Yeah, and I think just, like, getting out there is getting your name out there inadvertently. Like, so that's kind of like, I I don't know if that's a bad thing, but you just, that's the whole kind of point. But you don't have to, like, shove it down the road. (laughs) Like, just be there and be yourself. And um, you might get different things out of it. It might not be sales. It might be you find um, someone that you're going to collaborate with in different aspects, whether it's you found someone who could help you with your marketing, Um, you found someone who yeah wants your product or service or you find someone who all you might find an employee there you might find um a mentor you like there's so many different reasons like you go there um i think to learn to grow and yes to talk about your business uh for sure but i think you have to be open to like receiving not just putting your stuff out there, that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. Do you have any recommendations for podcasts, books, TV shows that you enjoy that have that business lens or that have that entrepreneurial lens that can help people get started?
1: Yeah, I recommend Bigger Than Me. (laughs) Um, To be honest, yeah, I mean, I I don't have anything off the top of my head. Um, I yeah I'm a one-year-old and I really just wish I had more time to read (laughs) that's the biggest thing I miss um I liked uh, anything that inspires you is going to be good for your business so things that aren't necessarily directly business related one of my favorite authors is Brenny Brown found her in a very pivotal time in my life uh Gifts of Imperfection um was like a really short easy to read book I recommend to everyone um four agreements. I can't remember who the author is of that. I think Miguel Miguel Riguez. I'm not quite really sure. But um so nothing to do with business at all. But um it actually again it's kind of like how your financial house being in order personally um can help you get your financial house in order for your business. I think personally, if you um, are open to learning and if there's anything you feel like you need to work on on a personal level, then that's going to help you be a stronger, better entrepreneur as well. Right?
0: That makes sense. Can you give any words of wisdom to somebody who's considering starting a business or who's started a business and is feeling a bit discouraged?
1: Words of wisdom. Um, come for a float. <laughs> And and decompress and just recharge because um, sometimes you need to yeah I say practice the pause like sometimes you just feel like you're a hamster in the cage and you're going and going and you're not getting anywhere and it can be super discouraging um, I would say look at who you're surrounding yourself with if you're with other people who are kind of just being discouraging being negative maybe pause those uh, relationships or connections and and try to be with people who um, inspire you and are a little bit more positive. Um, yeah. If there's pain points, if there's things that are, you're struggling with, ask for help, find the people you can't be good at everything. Um, so if that's what you're trying to do is do it all, um, then you're going to burn out. That's not sustainable. So while it's good to learn, um, learn what you don't like doing or what you're just not great at. Um, Someone can maybe do it faster for you. (laughs) And if you have to pay them, that's fine. It might be cheaper um, because it's not always about money. I mean, it probably will be cheaper financially if you just pay someone to do something like that. Um, But like even your mental load, right? Like, what is it? What is that costing you in that regard?
0: Yeah, I definitely think recommending people to go floating is not a bad suggestion <laughs> at all.
1: I I actually rarely do that. So I was like, hey, actually, I'm kind of being sassy. But it's true because, yeah, you have to You get so stuck in it and you just need to sometimes pause and recharge the batteries and look at it with fresh eyes.
0: Well, and you see so many entrepreneurs and small business owners giving everything they have, not getting proper sleeps, sacrificing everything for their business, that you do need to recharge so you can do all of that the next week and the next week and continue. And if you burn out, there's no business left for anybody to go visit. So I think that that is an important piece is the self-care so that you can go have that meeting with the employee and hear their concerns and their frustrations and, and have those proper connections. Can you tell people how to find and connect with Luna? float on social media
1: yeah for sure it's funny because i did a, a short little interview and i totally blanked on what our website was i'm like i've only had this website for five years but it's lunafloat.ca um so you can check out our website or um we're on facebook Lunafloat chilliwack so there's another Lunafloat, but it's in colorado so we're the chilliwack one chilliwack bc uh instagram I mean, we're on there as well. Um, I'm behind all the social media. So if you reach out to us on Facebook or on Instagram, uh, it's me. Uh, You can email us as well. we have two email addresses. Our kind of general one is info at um, It's normally, that's the one all of our employees have access to. So if you had more of a personal or specialized question that you wanted to ask me directly, you can reach me at lunafloat at gmail.com.
0: That is awesome. I really appreciate you being willing to take the time and share your knowledge of Van City, Luna Float, your education, because I think that this is hopefully going to be accessible to people who have entrepreneurial ideas or are entrepreneurial who don't have those peers. So I really appreciate you being willing to take the time again and share your fantastic story and give such words of encouragement and put things in a way I hope is accessible to people.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Aaron.